Josh Williams here, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 48 for Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome to my new listeners. Uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about a couple of movies that I saw. I uh, I have been going to the gym. Look at me go. Just needed a little bit of free time in the schedule, right? I've been doing some food prep and eating better. Um, we'll talk about all sorts of that fun stuff, and, uh, and I won't be reading any emails this week. There's no emails this week, so we will, uh, maybe we'll have a little short one, you know, just a little, uh, Josh light this week. Um, <laughs> as early, uh, early, uh, last week, um, it's, it's funny again, these episodes always start a little goofy. Um, I've watched some movies this week. I've been, uh, been listening to an audio book, um, been doing the, been doing the food. So I, I don't know. I, I had a fun week guys. I really did have a fun week. Um, last week, uh, one of the earliest things that I did, I was working on my taxes, of course, and I have been, um, but I managed to, uh, I managed to get some, uh, some me time in playing some video games. Um, I playing, uh, 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 well, I played and finished a really fun game called little nightmares. Uh, it's available on Xbox and PlayStation and, and I know it's available on steam as well. So you can get it on any video gaming platform, but just to jump right into a, a cool little video game story right off the top. Um, it's a, it's a cool game. It's a side scroller. Uh, what that means is you sort of move, move to the side. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound overly, um, you know, interesting. I'm not trying to make this overly whatever, but it, it's, uh, it's a game. If you've similar games like it, um, to give you an example, of what a side scroller is like games like Mario, uh, you know, super Mario and, and, uh, you know, I guess double dragon and things like that. Any game where you're walking sideways, the screen is scrolling to the side. That's a side scroller. Um, so just to give you an idea of how complex the game is. Okay. It's not, uh, not overly, uh, complex, but it's a side scroller with puzzles. So the idea is that you're, you're this, it never really explains it, which is also really part of the charm, but, uh, you're this tiny little, I guess, orphan kidnapped kid or whatever. Um, and you're just trying to get the hell out of wherever you are. Uh, it's very dank. There's, you know, rats and things like that. In every room, there's a puzzle to sort of get you out of that room. Um, a little ways into the game, you start seeing these really grotesque, sloppy uh, looking, you know, adult cooks and, and chefs and things like that. And um, it's a, it's got a very Tim Burton-esque feel. Very, very Tim Burton-esque. Uh, claymation, Nightmare Before Christmas, that kind of look and vibe to it. Um, everything's very filthy and dirty and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great game. It's, it's creepy. There's a lot of very nick of time, uh, moments, you know, you're running for your life a few times. Um, but of course, like I said, there's puzzles in each room, grab a, grab a key and, or, or find an item or, or light a torch or something like that to, to get yourself somewhere. But of course you have to do things in order to, you know, you got to manipulate the environment in order to solve puzzles and move on. Anyways, super cool game. I, I, it plays in about, if you're, if you're, I don't want to say if you're smart, because anyone who doesn't is going to feel awful, but if you're, if you're into puzzle games, you know, um, then it's a, a great game that sort of just gets the brain going. You can beat it the whole thing, start to finish in probably three, four hours. Um, so just to give you an idea, it's not a super long, uh, commitment, but I was getting really into it at the end of one night and I just managed to plow through the true to game yeah so uh definitely recommend uh the game little nightmares it was recommended to me by a friend who worked at eb games uh during the christmas season i picked it up and i just never had a chance to play it in fact a lot of the games that i'm i'm playing now tend to be ones that i know are only a you know a, a 
afternoon or evening romp kind of thing. Like I got games like Skyrim and uh, Mass Effect and and Resident Evil and stuff that I know are going to be longer games. So I barely even I don't even start them because I know I'm just never gonna have time to finish them. But Little Nightmares, big thumbs up. Enjoyed that. A few other just little soul side scrollers that I like along the same vein are uh, the game Limbo and uh, Inside. Both of those are made by a company called Play Dead, but same thing, side-scrolling puzzlers. In fact, uh, speaking of Resident Evil, I don't know if anybody out there, again, I don't know how many of my listeners are actually, you know, gamers or whatever, but um, even just to see how cool this game is, you can just YouTube Little Nightmares and, uh, you, you know, you can watch basically somebody else play through it and, and go through the rooms. So again, just visually, it's very, very exciting and fun to watch. Um, but uh, I digress. Uh, I was mentioning Resident Evil. Resident Evil is one of those ones that's like a puzzle game. So every time, you know, you got to grab something, bring it somewhere else, you know, uh, solve puzzles to open doors and things like it's, it's, I like those kind of games, fun little story to them. Uh, definitely a very artsy looking game. And at the same time, it, it you know, it makes my brain work a little bit. So uh, funny enough, while I'm playing video games uh, years ago was one of the, <laughs> the original places I used to come up with my ideas for jokes because while I was playing, playing games and solving puzzles, obviously my brain's thinking of other stuff as well. And then I'd dick around with a, you know, an idea or a premise. And, and before I knew it, I actually had a, had a joke that I'd turned over whatever. So maybe, maybe getting back to the, uh, the games here and there will help. Cause again, this last week I've had a lot of ideas for jokes too. And I've, you know, paused the game and jot them all down and, and fuck around with them and turn them over in my head while I'm playing. So, um, very cool. Anyways, I, I had a great time playing that game. It was nice to actually just, uh, do some, some me stuff, you know, it wasn't focused on taxes, wasn't focused on working out or, or, or eating right or any of that other stuff, all of it important, but just not overwhelmed with it, which is kind of what makes you shy away from it afterwards too. But, um, had a great time playing that. I did manage to work on my taxes. Of course, Thursday was kind of a, uh, I just, I went to the gym, very excited. to what I've been doing at the gym. Um, uh, again, courtesy of my friend, Josh Abel, uh, he had mentioned to me back when we were working together at the source, he said that, uh, if I'm looking to do something that's going to get the heart rate up and burn some calories, but not too intensive or whatever from the beginning. So he was just saying, just jump on a treadmill, you know, go full incline, right? Turn it right up to 15 and then just, just get on there and start walking because the incline is going to make you, you know, start burning the fat and stuff like that. So anyways, uh, that's what I did. I, uh, I got on the treadmill brought her up to speed, brought her up to full incline and just, uh, and just pounded away and definitely, uh, was working up a pretty massive sweat. also had my heart going crazy. I think I was like at 168 beats per minute or whatever. So definitely got the heart rate up there to the point where the heart was flashing on the screen. I'm like, maybe I should back it down a little bit. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or a paramedic, so I really don't know how bad 168 beats per minute is, <laughs> you know, I'm sure if I was sitting down and my heart was doing that, that would be horrible. But, uh, but we you know once you're working out and you're getting your heart rate up, like who knows what's, uh, yeah, I say like, like it's crazy. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's good for you? Um, I would imagine someone out there knows, uh, feel free to tell me. Um, I would love to know contact at one podcast.com. You guys know that every now and again, I'll ask for a question. I'll throw the email address out there too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And I, I came back and I worked on taxes some more, banged them out. Um, I, I will, uh, I will say that as of Sunday night, I was finished my 2016 taxes. Now I've finished all the reporting. That's the hard stuff. I just need to sit down now and plug them into the, uh, the tax program I'm waiting for, uh, waiting for Jason to give me a hand with that. He's very good with taxes. So that's the, that's the hard part. When I keep saying do my taxes, I'm, I've, I think my, by now, a lot of you guys have probably been like, fuck dude, how long does it take to do your taxes? You sit down, you plug some shit in. So just so you guys know, just so that it makes sense when I'm saying this, um, 
my taxes, when I say do my taxes, I have to get all my numbers together for that just to plug them in because I've got so many different work endeavors. So the podcast is something, the, you know, open mic Mondays was something, stand up comedy is something, all of these tastings that I'm doing is something, the working at the hot dog place is something like they're all different uh, endeavors that are all reported differently. They're all paying. A lot of them just pay me straight up cash. So I have to separate them. I have a lot of expenses and I have to segregate those expenses from the actual, you know, um, income that I've got. So there's like so much reporting, not to mention I track my kilometers when I'm doing, you know, there's Uber. That's one I totally forgot. Uh, so Uber's in there. I track my kilometers, my gas, everything. So there's so much reporting to do. I have to go through my calendars too and find every comedy gig and make sure that I, I record all that income and whatnot. So um, it's a lot of work and I print it all and put it in a binder so it's organized. Should I ever get audited, I can just hand them a binder and it's all nice and organized for them. So um, just so you know that I'm not struggling to get a few lines of information into a tax program. It's it's the reporting. When I say do my taxes, I'm, I'm preparing all my reporting and all my information, which is relatively, you know, new to me. I've only learned how to do it in the last couple of years. I was very behind uh, in my taxes. I think last year I hadn't filed maybe around the, around this time last year, I think I had, I was working on my 2014 taxes. So I had gotten my 2013 file. I was working on 14, 15, and now 16. And in those years I had a lot of new stuff open up. So it was a matter of just tracking everything properly. I was trying to make sure I wasn't claiming more than I was supposed to, or not claiming enough. Um, trying to make sure that I, you know, I, I claimed the right expenses, you know, that everything was saying, like, I'll give you an example just for fun, right? Cause who doesn't love talking taxes? Um, a lot of people are under the impression that, uh, you can write off your uniform or work clothes or things like that. And I have painstakingly, um, gone through several tax you know, places and asked. And just in case anyone thinks that you can claim a uniform or you can claim work clothes, uh, that is 100% absolutely false. Um, you cannot claim uh, uniforms and work clothes. You used to be able to years ago, but they changed that rule because there's some people who, you know, don't have a job that requires a uniform and it's not fair to them to have to buy clothes because they can't go to work naked. That's kind of like, this is, it sounds stupid to put it so plainly, but that's kind of the rule is like, Nobody can go to work naked, so you have to buy clothes. But if your job doesn't require you have a uniform, then why is it fair for some person to, you know, have to buy clothes for work? They're just regular clothes and not a uniform, and other people have to buy a uniform and they can write it off. So, you know, simply put, no clothes. It doesn't even matter. Like apparently there's I talked to some of these tax places just to make sure they were on the up and up, right? Because for me, I want to claim as much, you know, deductions as possible. Um but yeah, they, uh, they were saying that like, even, you know, police officers have to pay for their own like Kevlar and shit like that. And they, they don't get to write it off. So, um, the only way that you can write something off, same like with haircuts and stuff, they used to say like, oh, you can claim your grooming or whatever. If you get haircuts. And I kept saying like, I'm a comedian, you know, like, uh, I, I'm have to be presentable on stage. So can I claim? And they're like, no, you can't claim suits. You can't claim anything. The only way that you can claim, um, like something that you're wearing for stage or whatever is like, if you rented a, a suit, so if you rent it, then it's a business expense, you know? So it's like, it's a lot of, they're, they're, they're tightening the rules on, on shit like that. Cause obviously I'm, I would assume there's people who is, who are abusing the system. And of course, like I said before, there's people who just wasn't fair for, you know, you have to buy clothes to go to work, but they're not a uniform. So you have to pay it out of your own pocket. 
what would have been fair is to give everyone a budget, but you know, they want your money. So what can I say? So anyways, that's, that's what, what I mean. Every time I say I'm doing my taxes, it's, it's just going through giant piles of receipts. I don't have a bookkeeper or anything like that. I do it all myself and I should, but all that shit costs money. And, um, as much as, you know, I can't wait for someday, you know, for, for myself to be doing well enough that I can have someone who takes care of all my booking for me and keeps, takes care of my bookkeeping for me and does my taxes and does all the emailing with clubs. I would love to have that. I would love to get so busy and successful that I have an assistant that does all the stuff that I'm too dumb to do myself. But until then it's up to me to painstakingly ask a million questions of people who know more about taxes than I do and make sure that my reporting is done properly. So I don't end up fucking myself over now or later because you might go, Oh, look, I did a great job and uh, I'm getting money back. And then in two years you get audited and they go, yeah, you can't claim this, 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 and this, you owe us 600 bucks plus, you know, uh, three years of, of interest on not having paid that. And you owe us a grand out of nowhere or something. I don't know. I'm not good at math, <laughs> but, uh, so that's, that's why it's so, uh, so lengthy and stressful for me because I really, of all the things, like I'm not shitty at math. I always tell people math is my weak subject and it is, but it's not weak in the sense of like basic adding and subtracting and addition or whatever. It's just, um, I definitely get overwhelmed when it's just, you know, well you do this and then you're allowed to have this percentage. Like you just, it, the, the more steps in the formula, the more, even though I can do them, right. You just break it down, bed mass, nice and easy. Just the more math is involved, the more I will get anxious that I'm somehow going to fuck up a step. And then of course the thing with math is once your number is wrong, if you just keep doing the next steps with the wrong number, you're going to get the wrong results, right? So whatever, moving on, <laughs> um, on Friday, I had a great day. My buddy, Chris came over, Chris, regular writer into the one man podcast, of course, um, Chris came over. We had, uh, what did we do? We played some games. He introduced me to some new, uh, some new board games. We played a game called Dominion. Very fun. It's a game I've seen on shelves many, many times before. And again, if you lay out all the cards, it looks super overwhelming, but we played, uh, he taught it to me. I learned it very, very quickly. Um, a lot of fun. So again, just in terms of those, uh, random board game shout outs, Dominion, very fun game. Uh, we played a game called Gravwell. Uh, I think is what it's called. G R A V W E L L. Um, it was a fun game. It's, uh, Again, you're, you're just ships floating around in space, trying to move forward. The board looks very, very easy. It looks like just like a spiral, a very simple snakes and laddery kind of just, just basically move forward, move backwards and, and that's it. But the, um, it's all based on gravity. So when someone moves ahead of you, they become a source of gravity and that pulls your ship forwards or backwards. And you're always pulling yourself towards the closest source of gravity. So, uh, effectively what you, you play a, a numbered move. And that you're either going forwards or backwards, depending on how close the gravity is. But of course, everyone plays their cards at the same time. So somebody goes first, then somebody goes second. So, you know, when you play your number, you may want to move forward, but if the other person goes first, they pull themselves towards you. And now they're floated past you and you're pulling yourself back backwards instead of forwards. I know it's hard to explain, but, um, it's a very easy to learn game, but it's one where you could tell that the, the strategy, uh, this, it's like one of those, the strategy could take forever. Um, I won, <laughs> I won my first game of it. I got very, very lucky, but, uh, I, I definitely like that. That is one that I would like to have on my shelf at some point, but, uh, but Gravwell was a very fun, fun game that Chris and I played. Um, I think he had brought two others, but we didn't play them again. I don't even remember what they were called. Uh, you're probably yelling it at your radio right now, Chris. Um, but I don't remember what it was. I think one of them was about trains and then I can't remember. Oh, and he brought smash up. 
for me to check out. So, uh, but we didn't play those. Um, what else did we do? We, uh, we played, uh, a game called overcooked. We've, we've talked about it, I think on the podcast before, just a fun little PlayStation game, um, cooperative game. You play with multiple players. Um, but you, uh, you're basically just handling a kitchen, you're cooking stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically just a cooperative game where you need two people on the same page working sort of a, a conveyor system where one person, you know, will take a vegetable, the other person will chop it, then drop it in a, a pot. And, uh, you know, and then you, the other person has to plate it or whatever, but all the levels change up to make it more difficult, but it is, it's just one of those ones about figuring out the best, most efficient process for, you know, uh, prepping it's you're, you're running a kitchen, right? You got to wash the dishes. You got to prep the food. You got to cook the food. You got to make sure that it gets out in the right order. The right ingredients go in uh, a lot of fun. I've played with uh, Kamar as well, and we both enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, it was a good time all around. I think we chatted about some other stuff, you know, but, uh, but it was cool. Just got to hang out with my buddy. Uh, it was a great day on Friday on uh, Friday evening. I went to, uh, to do a show, uh, in Avonmore, Quebec, Quebec, Ontario, Avonmore, Ontario. Uh, and it was for a bunch of farmers association people <laughs> for a bunch of farmers is what it was for. And, uh, it was a good show. It was just Jeff and myself and the show was supposed to be super squeaky clean. Um, which is always just, uh, terrifying for me. Not that I can't do a clean show, but I'm always just worried. I'm accidentally going to slip in a swear or whatever. Um, I'm very liberal when I'm doing my podcast and then I just sort of say whatever, but um, I don't even think I swear that much on the podcast, to be honest with you. There's a lot of people who go, well, the fucking the other day I was going to this fucking place and the fucking place was like all the way down the fucking street. It's like, they swear way too much. That's, I don't really, I, I would like to think that I don't really talk like that. It is, um, it is a, a crutch though. Some people, if you hear someone who swears a lot like that, it's kind of like a verbal crutch where you don't really know what it is you're trying to say. At least that's how it's been, uh, described to me, you know, in the past by other comedians and stuff like that. Comics who swear a lot on stage. It's just one of those, like. If you're uncomfortable, you tend to, to, to get very, uh, crass and cursy just as a, just as a cane to lean on, I guess. But, uh, went to Avonmore, the show went, uh, went great. I remember it was so funny. There was a few people there. So I was listening beforehand because they were giving away awards to people, uh, in the area. And uh, a couple of things I heard in the rest, like they would talk, I think they only gave it like three or four awards, but they would read off like all the things that this particular person was doing for the community. And one of the things I remember hearing was this one guy was like, he's this blah, blah, blah. He's blah, 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 blah. He's also the, uh, president of the square dancing, uh, club, <laughs> which I definitely take mental note of. Cause I thought that was hysterical. He's the president of the square dancing club. Um, and then they went on to talk about another guy who was, uh, they said that they were doing, uh, like all automated or at least a lot of the automated things at the, his farm. Uh, he's now got robots that feed the cattle for him. Uh, he doesn't have to, 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 you know, do any of the work or, or dirty his hands with that, which I again took mental note of. And, uh, and I noticed that there was a girl in the audience sitting there in like a, a very nice dress with a tiara and a sash on. <laughs> I was also eager to find out what the fuck that was all about. So I went up first and I just remember, you know, sort of chatting with them a little bit and saying, you know, I think it's really funny that, uh, I said, I, I, I can't believe I go, I've heard two of the funniest things to me in a long time tonight. I've, one of them was, I heard somebody say the president of the square dancing club and they were serious. You know, I go, I can't, I can't tell you guys that would be a joke in the city. That would be a punchline. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I go, I'm, I'm writing that down and I'm saving that for a joke that I write in the future. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, what is this guy? The fucking president of the square dancing foundation or whatever, fair square dancing club. Like that's hysterical to me that that's a real thing. And that's, that's something he's being given accolades for. Um, I get it. There's fucking curling clubs and shit like that. But I just, I thought that'd be really funny. I would keep that in a joke as an example of someone who's super lame or, or dorky or something coming from me, right? That's rich. But uh, I thought that was really funny. And then again, I asked the farmer who was, was being given awards for, you know, automating the feeding process. Now robots, that's what that's, they said, the robots feed the cattle farm now. And I go, that's great. What a, what a great thing to innovate at your farm. Let me ask you this. Do you still have to inseminate the cows <laughs> manually? And everybody started laughing. I go, that, that might've been the first one that I would work on. You know what I mean? Like you're standing at the farm and you're like, ah, oh, thank God I don't have to fucking touch that dirty cow food anymore. I don't want to, I want to dirty my hands with that. Now pass me that plastic bag. I'm about to go elbow deep up in fucking Bessie here. You know, <laughs> like, I think that's fucking, if there was one thing, you know, I don't mind fisting the fucking cows. It's just the, you know, I don't want to get that fucking cornmeal on my, my, my overalls. I don't know. I think it was, I thought that was particularly funny of all the things to automate. It would be the, you know, cow fisting, but no, nope, that's, uh, that's maybe, maybe one of the little, you know, euphoric retreats that they have just getting up in the morning and giving a cow a fistful of orgasm. I don't, ugh, uh, <laughs> that's fucking gross. I don't know if you've ever seen it too. Cause they have to like stick their fists up the cow's ass, I think, and then stimulate it anally. And then, and they stick in this weird, weird tube. You know what? Google it. I'm not even going to try to understand it. It's gross. I've seen it before. They gotta like dig the cow feces out of the ass. Um, anyways, way grosser than pouring a, a bucket of feed or whatever into their, their bins. Um, and then I saw the, uh, the, the woman who was like her, I asked her what she was. I said, are you, are you, you know, a princess or whatever? I go, are you like you, she looked, cause I said she was dressed like a princess, right? With a sash. And I couldn't read what it said. There was so much wording on it. And then I was like, are you, uh, <laughs> I go, are you someone who's off their meds right now? Like you, you look like the chick in her prom dress standing on the ledge, like ready to jump, you know, what's the, and she said her, uh, I think I wrote it down here somewhere. Come on, Josh. Did I, did I prepare? Do I ever prepare? Oh, I know it's stuck underneath here somewhere. Where the fuck did I put it? It was right here. God damn it. Oh, oh, here it is. There it is. I moved it. The Stormont County, sorry, Stormont County queen of the furrow. And of course, when she said that, I couldn't remember any of it. Queen, stomach kind of queen of the fur. I go, yeah, okay. I don't know what that is. I think I had to, I had to keep referring. I kept referring back to her over the course. And I just kept saying, like, I would give her a new title every time I go, we got the fucking, it's a weird place to be a bunch of farmers. We got the tractor pull princess here or whatever she is. And I kept giving her, that's the only one I can remember off the top of my head right now. And I just kept saying, like, what are your duties? I said, do you, do you cut the ribbon and a new cow castration or something? <laughs> like, what the fuck? But apparently, uh, apparently she was telling me after the show that she's got, like, there's all sorts of things that they do, but it's basically showing up. They do, like, uh, again, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but, like, she said where they use farm equipment to dig up, like, how much land can they dig up in a set period of time? Like, I guess a square square footage or whatever, not so much deep, but just how much like sod can they tear up with these things? I also remember during the show asking, like I was making fun of tractors and stuff, but them selling, selling old fucking rusty tractors. And then I said, you know what? Do you guys even have to like 
Do, you, do, do they count the mileage on those things? Like, you know, if you're selling your car, you need to have, uh, I don't know. I'm so fucking hiccupy. I, I only get the hiccups when I'm doing the podcast. Maybe it's just a nonstop motor mouthing. But, uh, I was saying, if you're going to sell your car, you need to like list how many kilometers are. And I go, do, do they do that with fucking tractor equipment? And they all just stared at me and I go, I'm not joking. I don't fucking know. And then they laughed at me, but uh, it was interesting. And then one of them yells out hours. They, they're listed on them how many hours they've been, been running or working. So that's interesting. How about that? Hey eh, guys, they don't fucking, they go based on hours. That'd be funny for cars. Cause you could leave your car idling for a super long time. It's not going anywhere. And apparently to leave your car idling is bad for it. So maybe the farmers got it right. You know, they could give a fuck how far it's gone. That'd be funny too. I didn't forget. I should have asked them if they have winter tires for their tractors. <laughs> But, uh, I had a great time in, in Avonmore. Um, oh, on the way. Uh, and of course I was there with Jeff McKay, my good buddy, but, um, Jeff did great. I did great. We couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. They fed us nicely. Thank you very much for the, to the people of Avonmore. Um, on our way there, Jeff, uh, had, I guess a broken, uh, windshield wiper and he had taped it up. And I guess as we were on the highway and it's snowing, so we need it. Um, as is waving back and forth, the fucking arm of it breaks. And now he's got this wacky, <laughs> this wacky windshield wiper flopping back and forth, you know, barely hanging on. We had to pull over and do a roadside, you know, makeshift. If you've ever seen Bill and Ted's excellent adventure where they, where they break the antenna on the phone booth and they have to do like a, you know, a, a roadside stop. They've all got chewing gum and they use the gum to fix the antenna and shit. A bunch of duct tape. Anyways, that was, it was really funny. It was really funny. So that was the thing on the way there. It held up on the way back. And I hope sometime Jeff this, uh, this week got it fixed, but it was funny. It was a really, really funny thing. The road stories, shit fucking breaking on the road. And, oh, we had a good time. Um, I also spoke with, um, so I spoke with Chris that day and I spoke with Jeff too. And, uh, and so here's the thing I want to tell you guys. I did my first time edit of the one man podcast. So here's how it, here's what I mean by that. Uh, last week, episode number 20, 20, 47. Okay. Um, I told a story, um, and I'm not going to repeat it here, but I told a story. So if you're one of my people who downloads the episode when it first came out, you heard it. I told the story and uh, I was out there, but I spoke with Chris and I spoke with Jeff, um, just about it. And they were, uh, you know, I just said, should I have, should I have told that story? Like would that, you know, I, I, and to be honest with you, I I'm fine with telling the story. If you ever want to hear the story, I would be happy to tell anybody in person. Um, but it was one of those things where just based on, on, you know, my career and things like that. Um, I, I just had this feeling that it might not be such a great idea to have that story out there. It's one of those things where like, uh, it's innocent enough, but if you're running for president or for office, it's the kind of thing that could, uh, resurface. So just for, uh, for all intents and purposes, I, uh, I went back late on uh, Friday night and I, uh, took the episode. I cut out that story. Um, and then I, and then I published it again. So anyone who heard the original episode, like I said, I'm not ashamed to have told the story. I don't you know feel bad about it, but it's just one of those things that I didn't want just hanging out there. So if, you know, someone in 10 years from now decided that they wanted to, you know, keep me from getting a green card to the States or something like that, that, uh, that's something they could pull out and go, look. Here's that thing. Look at what he tried to do. Um, so again, nothing malicious or anything like that. I know it's, I'm making it more ominous for someone who joins in later. Gee, I wonder what that story was. Ask me in person. I'm, I'm happy to tell you. It's just more about not having it, uh, recorded and out on the internet. So, um, so yeah, my first, my first time edit for the podcast. And again, I, um, I don't like the idea of editing because it was, like I said, a story I told it was part of the email, um, that, uh, that Tiffany sent in. 
But uh, yeah, I just, uh, after talking with Chris, I've talked with Jeff and just saying, you know, like, I just, I don't feel good about that being out there. And I'm concerned that someday it could come back to haunt me. Uh, just until the whole world decides that everything with that, uh, that particular thing is nice and safe and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, if you heard it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you didn't, well, I'm sorry, ask me in person sometime and I will be happy to tell you the story. Um, so yeah, um, Saturday, oh boy, I went out to, uh, I went out to pick up a, a board game. I found online. I am part of uh, board game groups now on Facebook, people selling board games. I went to pick one up because the one that I bought online had uh, shitty cut pieces and the whole nature of this game was kind of like, it's kind of like Tetris. You put pieces together. Uh, I went to go out and see these people's copy and, uh, you know, theirs was all fricked up too but I felt bad, you know, going all the way out there and tell them I pick it up. So I just bought it. I'm a big fucking idiot. But, um, I did that. And this guy had a very, very large collection of, uh, board games. So this guy has taken everything I've ever seen from, I don't want to say nerds, but sure. Why not? Well, right. For lack of a better term, uh, and, and amped it up to the, um, to the this guy has a big gaming, uh, you know, collection in his basement. I have seen bigger collections, but this guy has collections of like special edition games that are all painted with box organizers. So all that shit I was doing that to like the umpteenth degree. Um, oh yeah. I gotta, I gotta write down that, uh, that game he showed me. Yeah. He showed me a lot of games. I, to the point where I actually had to like excuse myself because, um, I was going to be, uh, sorry, sorry guys. I'm writing down. I can't multitask. Um, I was going to go see a movie. So I was like, all right, I got, I got to go. I had like lots of time, but I was just there for so long. The guy was showing me so much stuff that, um, I had to excuse myself, but it was interesting. I got to see again. I, I like when people who are into board games, show me other board games, because like I said, I'm new to it and, um, I'm really enjoying it. I really truly am enjoying it. Um, I know it's super nerdy, but you know what? Anybody who takes the time and sits down and, and decides they want to play one, two or whatever also, uh, start to get super into it. So it's very, very cool, um, that I'm meeting so many people who are, who are into it. And it's, it's a fun little social hobby. You know, I like playing video games, but, uh, it's kind of a, even if you're playing online, it's kind of like a solo activity. And I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy sitting around, you know, having a drink or two and, uh, shooting the shit with people having some fun. So I don't know why I have to keep justifying it. You know what? You don't like that. I play board games and if it's nerdy as shit, well, just, just don't listen anymore. We'll part ways here. <laughs> But, uh, when my other podcast launches and Lord knows when that'll be, I'll try to put more of the, uh, the board game stuff there so that I'm not bothering you guys with it. But for now, that's, uh, that's my life, you know, playing, uh, playing nerdy stuff and, and having a good time doing it. Um, I went to go see on Saturday afternoon, rushing out of that place and trying to get home, um, in order to change. I went to, to see a quiet place with, uh, with crystal. We were going to, uh, you know, we used to go see horror movies all the time, whatever. And like I said, we're hanging out. We're, uh. We're doing the friend thing, having a good time. Um, we, uh, we got to chatting about, uh, a quiet place and didn't realize it was coming out. So, so, uh, you know, recently, so we asked if, uh, if Brody wanted to come with us and originally he was going to, then he changed his mind. So, uh, so it was just Crystal and I who went to go see it. And, uh, we, I think it's funny cause now that it's been a few days since I saw it, I keep kind of like, I'm going back and forth on what I really thought of it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good movie. Like I got to say at the, at the end of the day, it's a good movie. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically the, the world, one of those apocalyptic movies, something happened to the world. And now, you know, the human race is in danger. Um, people are, 
I guess, being attacked by these creatures that, that, that can hear you. So the whole idea for the movie is there's this family and it does take place around, uh, one family that, um, is trying to survive. And basically if you make any noise, uh, these creatures hear you, they attack sound. They can't see, I don't think they can smell either. They just, they just, everything's based on sound. So the movie very quickly, uh, introduces the threat to you and how serious that threat is. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, everything happens. The whole story takes place over the course of a day. So not exactly a spoiler, but, uh, the, the, I think the, the first day it tells you, you know, day number, whatever, and then they establish the threat. And then it's like day number, whatever later on. And I think everything transpires within the course of that one day, but it's really interesting. Uh, really, really well done. The family talks to each other with sign language. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of suspenseful moments, lots of very, very suspenseful moments, the high strung. And of course, because the silence, the whole movie, you know, um, they, had, they do a really good job of addressing like how many things in our day-to-day -day lives would cause noise and stuff. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, uh, a lot of thrilling, um, you know, and if you're uh, a sentimental person, I know a lot of my listeners are family people. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that sounds like. I'm laughing cause I'm like, well, who isn't a family person, but I'm saying people, you know, part of a, part of a, a family, you know, um, the whole thing is like protecting your family, you know, but of course there's young children in the movie. So it's like, you know how fucking kids are. It's a lot harder to keep a kid quiet, you know, during certain things. Um, but it's just, it's a tense a tense movie, very, very tense movie. Um, I, I don't know if I loved it as much as I thought I did originally, but, uh, but I mean, anytime you do a horror movie, fuck, I mean, you can't, you can't write out every little flaw and thing like that, that would be in it. Like, you know, I, I basically, you know, I mean, I'm enjoying everything that I saw. And then there was parts where I'm like, well, what if someone snored in the middle of the night or coughed or something like that? You know, cause they make it that like every little creak, would be heard from all over the place. Um, and you'd be attacked. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I guess it's almost like I'm trying to be the, the yin and the yang of it. Like, I don't want to be like, Oh, I just loved it. It was so good. Um, it was a good flick. And it's, and like I said, very, very tense. Um, so I enjoyed myself. Uh, Crystal liked the movie as well. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think overall, if you like, suspense horrors, whatever. It's definitely one of the better ones. A lot of really, really tense scenes. Um, so I would definitely say, uh, you know, if you like it, go see a quiet place. It's a good movie. And, uh, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. Like I said, if you're going to do what I do, which is always overthink things and maybe pick it apart. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. You know, you'll have some questions and you go, well, you may, there may be some moments where you go, well, yeah, well, what about, you know what? It's a, it's a horror movie. And in terms of horror movies, it's one of the, the more, you know, well done ones. So, you know, let it, uh, let it just scare you and, uh, and make your chest tight the whole time you're there. <laughs> it was a great time. Um, on Saturday night, I had a show in Queen, Quebec and, um, I think I came home from the movie. I, I napped for a little bit and then I got ready for my show in Queen, Queen. I got to work with uh, Julian Dion and Matt Carter, uh, two good friends of mine. We got out there. I drove, I think it's about an hour away from home. And, uh, the whole way there, I listened to my audiobook of it. 
um, which is great. I'm really, really enjoying just listening to the audiobooks. Um, I'm still finding a proper balance as to when I can listen because I'll, I'll decide, you know, hey, I can. I can listen while I'm doing my taxes. And then, uh, you know, as I'm, you know, organizing my taxes, I start to get weighed into what, what's on the receipts and stuff like that. And I'm not paying attention to as much. And of course, because it is written by Stephen King, it's very, very descriptive and easy to lose my place. And then five to 10 minutes later, I realize, oh, I haven't been paying attention to what's going on and I have to go back. Um, but of course in the drive, it was amazing. Driving was absolutely amazing because I was able to just focus on the, uh, the road, listen to the, the book and get right into it. Um, the show in Quion was, was really, uh, interesting. It was, a, a just a bar, a very, very small town, uh, bar on the side of the road. And, uh, uh, like we had, I don't know, we had a great show, but, uh, the crowd was really rowdy, lots of drinking. Um, it was definitely small townish. And by that, I don't even want to shit on small towns, but it's funny. I, I hadn't seen Julian in a while and Julian and I had an opportunity to chat and catch up or whatever, but while we were talking and this was like in the middle of the show, both his main portion of like he was hosting, I was featuring, um, his main portion of the show was over as, and I was done on stage as well. Now Matt Carter, the headliner was on stage. And, uh, as we're standing there chatting with each other, this guy comes up to us like, all right, you guys are, you guys are the comedians. All right. I got, I got this for you. And as he was going to tell a joke, it was so funny because Julian said it first, but I was thinking it. The guy tells us this joke. It was a racist joke, which I find a lot of times small towns are. And then he's like, <laughs>, laughs. And I think he pats Julia on the back and then walked away. Didn't even wait for a response. Just told it and then walked away. Um, and I look at Julia and he just goes, how did I know it was going to be racist? I go, right. I knew to, there's so many times guys where like, and, and this is, this is Quillon, Quebec. It's, it's 45, 50 minutes. Uh, away from Ottawa, like downtown Ottawa. All right. So when, again, when we think that we're super progressive here, it's like, yeah, you doesn't, you don't have to go very far outside of a major city to, to find racism. And, um, I find a lot of these small town shows that I do, not all of them. Cause again, I was in Avonmore, small town. Nobody said anything hateful. In fact, I made a joke at that show because it was all white people. And I said, I couldn't wait to come to Avonmore, Ontario, you know, where I knew it'd be multicultural and, and everything. They all started laughing. You know, I go, well, they asked me if I wanted to perform with the, uh, the lights on. I was like, no, no, it's, uh, it's bright white enough in, uh, <laughs> in here as it is, um, could stand to be a little darker, but they laughed and, you know, nobody said anything offensive or whatever, but sometimes you just go and these people come up to you and they tell you a joke. I've had, uh, shows where, sorry for the hiccups. I've had the shows where, um, you know, where there'd be a, you know, a, a minority comedian on the show, like, you know, and someone would come up and go, Hey man, I really liked you, but I, let me tell you that fucking, and then they start to go off. And I'm like, Whoa, like, what is it? What is it that makes people think that we would want to hear this? You know, that's the part I don't get. Like, I, I don't, I'm not mad at the person. Cause I, I get like everybody's who knows nature versus nurture, whatever it is. But like, I don't know why people would think that we want to hear racist jokes. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I guess <laughs> I joke around freely with, with friends and, and other comedians and stuff like that. Cause I think we all sort of know that we all know each other and we're all sort of in the same, you know, fraternity, sorority, you know, all being comics and stuff. And and then when you're with your friends, like your friends know you can joke around, you know, a little dirty or a little crass or a little taboo with your friends because they also know you, they know what's in your heart. But I find that, that when I do these small town shows that people will just come up and they, they are comfortable saying 
you know, ignorant shit. Like I, I want to believe that the guy who told us the joke doesn't really believe it. He just, he's laughing at maybe the stereotype and it doesn't even seem to be that accurate a stereotype, but I, you know, I, I was going to tell you guys, and I'm sorry that I didn't, you can always ask me another time, but I just, um, I don't want to tell the joke that he told. The reason being is I don't want to go, man, that's funny. And then perpetuate it. Right. And then I know consciously that that joke's out there floating around more because I'm the one who told it. Right. I shared it in public forum. So, um, sorry if it seems irritating, but, um, yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was really stupid. I thought it was very, uh, you know, it was very Trump style joke. Um, ignorant, uninformed, you know? Um, but anyways, I, I don't get it. It's this happened many times. And I think that's probably the same reason Julian was like, you oh, know, how did I know it was going to be racist? It's cause it just, a lot of times when they come up to you in small towns, they're like, Hey, let me tell you this. I don't know, but that'll change I, in time. I hope, you know, more diversity, more understanding, the more we learn. Um, I also had a conversation with Chris. Oh, do I save this for another time? Yeah, maybe I'll save it for another time. I had a conversation with Chris about uh, eating meat and it was, we went into it a little bit, which was good. Like we, we, you know, they didn't argue or whatever, but I just remember thinking like it's, it's, it might even end up being a bit only because like, I've got so much to say on it and I'm, I'm a hypocrite myself. That's the thing. It's not about being preachy. It's about just taking the time to, to take a look at something like it's amazing that we're in a time where you have to be so careful of what you say because you might hurt someone's feelings. And I don't mean like walking up to someone and calling them a name. I'm saying saying a word that's not even a harsh word, but somebody else may not. Like we're so delicate, yet we still have, you know, we still slaughter and kill animals against their will, obviously, um, when it's not necessary. And again, you can get upset with me and disagree with me. It's fine. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I'm starting to learn more and more as we learn more and more. I think that's really what it is with humanity. The more we learn, the more we sort of understand it's harder and harder to make arguments for the shit that we do. Um, and it's funny cause I think some of the fights that are being fought aren't really needed to be fought. And some of the ones that should be fought perhaps aren't. Um, we know that, that human beings can sustain ourselves off of plants right? We, we know this. Um, we don't have to, and there's no rules against it. Um, but there's, uh, but it's something that we can do. So the ideas of, of eating and killing animals, you know what I mean? Is, uh, it's not necessary. Um, but it's, it's more fun, right? It's, it tastes better. Uh, I like doing it right. Um, I used to, uh, I was talking with Chris too. I guess I am getting into it, even though I didn't think I was going to, um, uh, I was saying with Chris too, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, would say, well, I, I mean, I like eating meat, you know, it's, I, I think it's, I, I like it better to eat meat than to, to whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure slave owners liked having slaves better than not having slaves. But, you know, eventually you go, well, these, these people, let's say the, I don't want to say these animals, because I'm not trying to call slaves animals. But what I'm saying is at the end of the day, if we're all, all of us, human beings, animals, everything are all animals or organisms or life forms, earthlings, you know, um, we all learned that, you know, that's not okay, you know, and we're still as a race, uh, you know, apologizing for it. And, uh, you know, I think, oh, for fuck's sakes, uh, I'm like, am I going to get on a soapbox? I'm saying I never, look, I never owned slaves. Um, I think that, that there's a time, there's a great saying, um, that says, if you can't forgive and forget, pick one. Um, so I'm just, I know that I, myself, you know, people, there's people who, who never owned slaves and there's people who never were slaves and, uh, and everyone's acting like they, they, you know, that everybody was and is or whatever. 
So um, all I'm saying is I think that it's we're in a good place, a better place where we know in our hearts that um, it wasn't okay. Even the people who would, you know, the South, some people in the South who are like, oh, let's bring it back, the South will rise, all that shit. It's like they got to know in their hearts that it's not okay to own another human being. You know, just because they want it really bad or whatever it is, or or back in the day wanted it really bad, they got to know it's not okay. Um, and I think that someday, I think someday we're going to, as a population, move towards that with killing and eating animals. Um, just because, like you know, hey, we own dogs and stuff like that. Like you know, you can go to jail if you beat a dog, and that's that's good. You shouldn't beat another life form. You know, you should. We should be empathetic. And the argument I always come back to is a lot of people are saying, you know, that they would save a, a human or before they would save an animal or something like that. And I've gotten into it with people before who said that um, they believe the human beings are more important than animals because look what we've done. Like technologically, we've, you know, we've, we've created more and this and that. So that's how they feel is that, that human beings uh, deserve to eat animals and this and that because we are, we are more evolved than they are. And to which I always counter and say, cool. So if aliens came down and decided to imprison you and eat you, then you wouldn't even fight back because you, they are more technologically advanced than us and therefore deserve to eat you if they want to, you know? And obviously I very rarely do it. Does someone even encounter back? Like, like, no, I'd fight back. It's like, I, I want to live or whatever. It's like <laughs> what the animals don't, you know, at the end of the day, basically people make bullshit arguments that serve the purpose that they want. But if you take someone and you just force them to look at something with empathy or, you know, basically role reversal, put yourself in something else's shoes and go, are you just going to sit there and take it? Because they go, well, no, that those things don't want to, <laughs> like, I don't want to suffer. It's like nothing wants to die needlessly. But again, I started this whole thing off by saying I'm a fucking hypocrite because I still eat meat. I, I would like to go vegan and vegetarian and I'm working towards that. I truly am. Um, but it's a very slow process. And while I'm doing it, I'm fully aware that it isn't something I need to do and ultimately something that I would prefer not to do. And I think that while we're looking at rights and things like that, I think that there's more and more like I'm not peed. I'm not throwing blood on anybody, but I'm just saying if you can live without killing something, wouldn't, wouldn't we all rather do that at the end of the day, you know, just in terms of just ethically, right. You know, we all know that you know, 90% of us wouldn't be able to go to a slaughterhouse and kill something ourselves. You know, I think Chris and I got talking to it cause he was talking about hunting and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, we don't need to hunt. It's fun, but it's, you know, like I, not for myself, you know, they'd consider it a sport or whatever, but I'm just saying, ultimately you don't need to do that. So, you know, you got to admit you're doing it for, for yourself, for fun. It's not so much about you know, oh, it's necessary and we, we have to eat to, to, we need them to eat. Like, oh, no, there's, there's lots you can eat that. It's, I don't know what it is. All right, listen, I'm, I'm done with this particular conversation. I'm just saying, I think that with all the other stuff going on, I think that that's something that's going to end up. I think it should be a bigger conversation. Just, you know, I'm not saying people who eat meat are bad. I am a, I am a carnivore. I eat meat. Um, meat is absolutely delicious, but you know, so would having a bunch of sex slaves be amazing, right? To just fuck whatever you want, whatever you want. But slavery is wrong, you know, just because it feels good, you know, doesn't mean that it's a good thing. I weird example to jump to, but I'm just saying ultimately having, you know, human trafficking is fucking wrong, but it's kind of the same thing as just treating animals like their property and whatnot. You know, I'll sell it to you. Then you do to it, whatever you want. You know, that's, that's fucked up. 
it's not okay, right? And just because it's human versus an animal, why? Because the human being can beg for its life or whatever, you know? Anyways, whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> that was a conversation we had. So, you know, and, and hopefully the small town people, you know, with their racist jokes. And again, it's not all of them. There's lots of closeted racists and stuff like that in the city. They just, I think the only difference is that they know better <laughs> than to out themselves in the city that versus the small towns, you know, anyways, um, maybe they think that they're trying to grow their popularity and their, their population. There's only six racists in this small town. I got to tell more people, get more of them involved. And even though nobody speaks like that in Canada, uh, it's that Southern accent, you know, the one that's associated with racism. Gee, I wonder why. Um, all right, fuck. Um, Sunday I did, uh, I did errands with my mom. I had a great day. My mom's birthday was on Monday and, uh, and I, I know that she had plans and I was busy on Monday. So was I busy on Monday? I had stuff I needed to do. I don't know if I was that busy. But uh, I ran in er uh, errands with her. We went over to the uh, Quebec Costco and bought uh, some beer and some uh, Juan and some other fun stuff. I had a good day with her. We went over to the uh, the SAQ, which is like their uh, their version of the liquor stores in Quebec, and just took a peek around for what was uh, what was there. We ent went, ended up going to uh, the LCBO over on the King Edward side uh, in Ottawa again for international listeners. None of that means a difference, but it's the biggest liquor store in Ottawa with the most selection. So we went in there and we poked around and looked at a bunch of different stuff and some, I liked looking at the scotches section because I am still enjoying me scotches, even though I don't have as many as I'd like to, I'm trying to do better with the drinking as well. Um, but it was a good time. Like we spent, we spent hours just grocery shopping and poking around and, and whatnot. And then we went to, uh, went to go have a meal at the golden palace in Ottawa. And I will give them a free plug. They have the best egg rolls on the planet earth, uh, thus far, because, um, there's lots of places that'll, that'll boast world famous, whatever. Um, they, these egg rolls, okay. Um, are sold in the, uh, Canadian Tire Center, where the Ottawa Senators play. They are sold in the Bell Center, where the Montreal Canadiens play. They're shipped all over, you know, Ontario and and Quebec. They're available in lots of different fancy restaurants. These egg rolls are so good. In fact, I've had comedians who've traveled the world, who have traveled the entire world and tasted them everywhere and said that the egg rolls of the Golden Palace are the best on the planet that they've had anywhere, hands down. So a free plug for them. They're only $2 each. Um... Angelo Sarukas, who's a comic, uh, who travels all over the planet. He still best egg rolls on the planet bar none. No question. Um, he goes there every time he comes to Ottawa. Um, it's one of his favorite places to eat. So, um, yeah, uh, a great spot. I, uh, I went there with mom and we had, uh, we had some egg rolls and some, uh, some chow mein and some stuff like that. So nice little, uh, you know, birthday meal with her after the, uh, the shopping and it was delicious. And that night I came home and I finished my 2016 tax reporting. So that's when I got all finished. Um, it was a great Sunday night yesterday. Just some simple shit. I ran around, did, um, did some admin stuff on the car. I had to get the plate sticker and things like that. Um, and then I did food prep. So twice this week I had made, I think it was this week at least, um, I made homemade hummus and I made it with no salt and a little bit less of the olive oil than, than was said in the recipe. But, um, I'm trying to, trying to get my, uh, my protein up. Like I said, I am working towards closer to vegetarianism. Um, I got my, uh, 
I wanted to get my proteins up in, uh, you know, garbanzo beans, chickpeas as they were. And, uh, I've had all these cans of organic chickpeas and not really knowing what to do with them in terms of how to, you know, make them palpable. I bought these, uh, East Indian sauces that, uh, you know, you put in, uh, you basically, I like, they were served to me at Costco, right? So they take the sauce, they pour it on chickpeas, mix them all, heat them all together, and then pour it over a bed of like basmati rice. Delicious. So I bought these sauces, bought the chickpeas to do at home. Um, but it is very, very spicy and hard on the stomach. So I was kind of like, I got to find some other things to do. So ultimately I decided I was going to make some hummus as well because they had all this uh, veggies at home. And I'm like, you know, can't dip them in, uh, in salad dressing. Cause then you're just getting all the same shitty calories. So I'll make some, uh, some hummus. So earlier this week I made hummus. Uh, I did not add any salt and I added just a little bit of garlic. Um, and it was okay. I was describing it as like lemon flavored drywall mud, but at the end of the day, just, I wanted the, the protein from it. I wanted the, uh, you know, I wanted the good stuff in it. So I made that and I, I went through it with uh, some cucumbers. So basically just cucumbers and hummus. Amazing. And, uh, and then I think yesterday or the day before I made, um, yeah, no, it was yesterday. I made a, a spinach hummus. So I took just handfuls of, of spinach and I stuck them in with the, the beans and the tahini, you know, olive oil, garlic, uh, lemon juice. And I made a, uh, a spinach hummus. It's green as hell. I have a Vitamix by the way. So if anyone doesn't know, just a free plug for them too, is a uh, Vitamix is a very, it's a, it's a very expensive blender, but it basically will make just about anything. It can make soup, uh, purely from the friction. So you put all your ingredients for soup in to the, uh, to the Vitamix and then just turn it on and leave it for like five, six minutes. And it just keeps blending. And the speed of the blades is actually enough to not only chop and pulverize and blend everything, but it actually heats the soup. So you can make soup right in the, the Vitamix, uh, use it to grind coffee, make peanut butters and things like that. And again, you might have like a magic bullet or something at home. You put a piece of ice in one of those and it's, it's, you know, it's going to jam up because it doesn't have the strength. This thing has like something like 15 horsepower or whatever. So I, I have made incredible things that I made smoothies this morning. You know what I mean? Um, and I just throw everything in there, frozen vegetables or frozen. Yeah. Frozen vegetables, but frozen fruits as well. And, um, you know, I put a bunch of spinach and hemp hearts and yogurt and stuff in my smoothies as well. And you just put it in there and it just fucking liquefies them. So it, it blends everything together. It is in fact, the Vitamix, uh, the, like the commercial version is what they use at booster juice. So to give you an example of just throw all the frozen shit in there, boom, there's a smoothie. That's what it is. So, um, made hummus. Um, I bought some, some breads and some pitas when I was out shopping at Costco, as well as getting more, uh, veggie burgers. I've been eating these Dr. Prager's, uh, veggie California style veggie burgers, which are really, really good. And it's all like organic ingredients and, and whatnot. Like reading the ingredients, I was surprised how little garbage they have in them. So, um, very excited. You know, I've been eating those and enjoying them. Um, so I'm keeping my calories down. I'm, I'm still going to the gym. Like I went to the gym yesterday as well. So, you know, did some food prep, went to the gym. Um, I read one of my sponsors books, which I'll be talking to you guys about shortly. And, uh, all in all, it was a good, uh, it was a good, like just food prep day, everything like that. And then right before bed, you know, got ready for, for podcasts and whatnot. So, um, have been eating better. I haven't eaten pizza at all this week. Not to say that that's a huge breakthrough, but like haven't had any shy of the, uh, shy of the, uh, egg rolls, at the golden palace, which was a special occasion for the, uh, the old woman's birthday. Um, I haven't eaten any, uh, any shitty food. It's been all, you know, yogurts in the morning and, and oatmeals, uh, smoothies and hummus and veggie burgers. You know, the worst thing I've, I've been eating, uh, that I can, that I can consciously say is I've been having coffee 
with uh, with cream and uh, agave syrup, which I've been making at home. But uh, yeah, I've had that, and then I think um, I think maybe the like I got these bagel buns. So obviously they're, they're dense bread, but I've been smearing the the hummus on them. So I think that's like the worst stuff that I've been eating. Like I've been keeping the meals to a minimum. Um, but yeah, there's there's really not been a whole lot of bad stuff. So I'm I'm having a good week, guys, just to share some good shit with you. Um, and it doesn't taste like shit. That's the, the that's the best part is that this stuff doesn't really taste all that bad. So I'm particularly happy with what I'm doing. I'm hitting the gym. I'm feeling better. Uh, I'm gonna keep the pounds coming off and have some good stuff. I'm dropped down below 290. So. You know, I started losing the weight way back in December, early January, where I was, you know, I dropped from like two, 316, Jesus, 316 pounds down to about, you know, somewhere in the two nineties. And I was real happy with that. And then for the last while I've gone up and down, you know, from 290 to 296, 292, back up to 298, everything between 290 and 300, right? Just trying not to hit that 300 again. And, uh, you know, now I've dropped back down to 289. So I've cracked the nineties and now I'm going to be, you know, starting to make a big stretch towards the, uh, you know, the lower numbers even still. So doing good, feeling good, working hard. Um, yeah, nothing but, uh, nothing but good times guys. Um, it's so funny too. Cause I, I wrote this talking point down earlier this week where the day I started working on my taxes, I think was Thursday. I got a courtesy call from CRA, the Canada revenue agency, just reminding me to file my 2017 taxes. I just thought that was really funny. I was still working on the 16s and I'm getting a courtesy call. I'm like, yep, I know I only have this month to get it done. So it's fucking crazy. I, uh, I do want to say that I got, uh, I got two submissions now for the, uh, one maniverse contest, right? Which is naming you guys, the listeners so far, Chris and Tiffany are the only two people who've submitted, uh, potential names. And uh, both of them have submitted a few, but I think I'm going to take the top one from each. So, so far, Chris has suggested onesies. You guys are the onesies, right? Listen to the one man podcast. And, uh, and Tiff has suggested the singletons, not the singletons, but just singletons. So those are the two, man. Remember anybody, uh, whoever gets the, the, the number one, right. Whoever picks the, uh, the one man podcast, uh, audience listeners title, uh, wins a $50 gift card to, uh, to a place of their choice. So you know, um, feel free to send them in contact at one man podcast.com. What do you think the listeners of the one man podcast should be called? Um, <laughs> I would love to hear that. Um, I'm still working on, like I said, sustain healthy. Um, it's a, it's a lot of, uh, it's work, but I'm enjoying it. It's one of those things where you see the, the, the pounds coming off, you see the numbers on the scale going down. It feels good to, to keep doing that. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm also excited to see how it's going to feel with, you know, my, my hernia and my, my pain in my side as, as I lose the weight. Um, and I hope to have nothing but good, um, you know, good, uh, good updates for you guys going forward. Um, I watched a movie last week on Netflix. It was so fucking stupid. And I knew it was going to be stupid. It took me three nights to get through it. Cause I kept passing out during it. Like I, I don't know about you guys, but I put stuff on at night to go to sleep too. Do you guys do that? I know Kamar, you do, uh, listening that, uh, Kamar goes, as soon as he comes home, throws the TV on. It's funny too, cause Kamar will actually put something on in his room, super loud. And then he will go downstairs and turn the TV on downstairs and then watch that and then go outside and and like have a cigarette or something like that. So it's, it gets funny. He'll, he'll watch a bunch of different things at the same time, but Kamar usually falls asleep with something on his TV. He watches a lot of YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, Netflix, like a lot of documentaries. Um, I'm envious. I wish I could just watch stuff all the time. Ah, ah. Uh, <laughs> just poking at him. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
I, I, I can't sleep without something, some sort of distraction. Cause I do get too anxious. I overthink. And then I end up, then I end up just worrying myself. Can't fall asleep. Cause I've basically worked myself up into an anxious panic. So I, I got to put stuff on to fall asleep. But this week I put on uh, transformers the last night. <laughs> it's what I hadn't seen. And I thought, ah, oh, this will be just like a fun little mind numbing, put you to sleep movie. And in fact it was, but just even in watching it, like it's like the fifth fucking transformers movie. Like, can they just let this stupid thing die? Like there's nothing fascinating about it at all anymore. Like Mark Wahlberg has now done two of them. Shia LaBeouf did like three of them, right? Megan Fox, you know, as dumb as she is, she was the smartest one to get out of it early. Michael Bay still directing it like five. I don't know if he directed the last ones, but he directed the first one I know. And I think he directed the second. And then I guess he just decided he was coming back to do some more. I could be wrong. He could have been the guy the whole time, but oh my God, is it ever cheesy and hokey? You know, the first one was too, but I mean, just at least there was something to it. But now like the storylines that they've got in it, like, I think this one was like the King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table used transformer dinosaurs and dragons to, you know, save humanity forever ago. And, uh, it was just really, um, it was really dumb. They tried to turn Optimus prime into a bad guy, which was like a storyline. They, they didn't even pay attention. Like they used it in the trailer to make it look like, Oh shit, Optimus is gonna be the bad guy. And then it was something that like barely had any consequence in the movie whatsoever. So I don't know. It was stupid, but what I expected. Transformers part five. Oh, it wasn't good. What is a fucking shocker? Um, <laughs> they keep changing women too in the, in the movies too. Cause I think that women actresses are like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. That was a lot of work to run around and be half naked the whole movie for no good reason. And then acting like I have weird sexual tension with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but, uh, like I said too, I'm still, uh, ear reading it, ear reading writ. Uh, I'm listening to it on audiobook. It is very, very long. It's 44 hours long. I have 21 hours left. So I've spent a lot of time listening to that. Um, and I'm excited. I'm still enjoying it. Um, I'm still enjoying it. It sounds funny because the name's it. And I say it in a sentence. I like, uh, that book. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun. I watched the movie with Jay, as I mentioned, and, uh, and I'm really, really enjoying, um, the book because I'm seeing things like both the 1994, I think version of it or, or 92 version of it and the 2017 version of it. Um, you could see that both of them were very different in parts of the stories that they told, but both of them, um, use different aspects. At least the second part of, of it, the new one hasn't been told yet. But a lot of the stuff that they had, you know, happened to the kids and things like that in, uh, in the old version, the Tim Curry version, um, they, they didn't have, but it was very important to the book. And it's funny too, because like just basically elements of, um, of both, you know, well, there's, there's elements of course of both in the book, but it was interesting to see like both versions use different things in the story of it um, in their movies. So it was kind of cool to see more of the personal interactions that the kids had, um, you know, in the, uh, in the book, in the newer one, but at the same time, there was things that they changed like, um, well, whatever, fuck it. I, I won't ruin it. <laughs> Spoiler alert on the book. That's 30 years old and whatever. I would definitely say if, if you were a fan of the, the movies, um, reading or ear reading the books, is definitely a very cool option because I, I'm really enjoying hearing the different stories, the different things going on. 
Um, it's funny too, because in the original miniseries that does have the adults in it as well, um, they, uh, they introduce the, the people differently. Like just, so, um, I almost can't talk about it because this, the, the, the new movies will have it in it. So if anyone who's not seen the original hasn't read the book are still in for some surprises, but, um, the, the big spoiler in the book is one of the first things that gets addressed. So, you know, that this has happened as you're reading the book. So it's, it's out of the way nice and early, but, uh, in the mini series, when, uh, when the, like it was a two parter, um, the first part is ended with this particular cliffhanger. And, uh, and then of course in the, the newer adaptation, it hasn't been addressed yet at all. Um, so it's still coming. Um, and who knows, they may change it. They may change it entirely, but, uh, great book. It's like a thousand pages long. So, um, I'm just enjoying it. I'm also enjoying the references of the times, right? Because this book, you know, uh, they're kids in the fifties and they come back as adults in the eighties, uh, which is hilarious because the, the new movie adaptation, they were children in the eighties and they'll be coming back in present day. Um, so it's just cool. It's just a really cool uh, read. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Blah, 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 blue, blue. That's been my week so far, guys. And now it is time to hit these sponsors. Who are my sponsors? Oh, yes. Speaking of it and all of its treacherous sewer parts flowing down, down, they all float down here. And when you're down here with us, you'll float too. Uncle John's Bathroom Raiders. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go back in the shitter. <laughs> my partner's at portablepress.com guys. And, um, because I'm going back to books from the eighties. Ooh, that's a good way to segue. I'm trying to find a way to explain why it is that I've gone right back to the very first uncle John's bathroom reader, uh, back in the eighties, huh? like the, uh, the, the time that uh, it came out. Um, so I've gone back to, uh, the original uncle John's bathroom reader to find an article that's called famous for 15 minutes. So it's going to have some older stories and I'm sure there's been lots more things since then, considering the age that we live in and everyone trying to be famous. But this is a, uh, an article called famous for 15 minutes. Andy Warhol was prophetic when he said in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. Here are a few examples of what we have to look forward to the star Annabella Battistella, AKA Fanny Fox, the Argentine firecracker, voluptuous Latin exotic dancer. The headline stripper sinks political career. What happened late one night in October, 1972, a suspicious Washington DC cop pulled over an erratically moving vehicle. The inebriated driver turned out to be Congressman Wilbur Murs of Arkansas, a 36 year veteran of the house and chairman of its powerful ways and means committee in the car with him were six next door neighbors. What? Oh, in the car with him were his sit his, his next door neighbor, 38 year old Annabella Battistella, a stripper known on stage as Fanny Fox and some friends all headed home after a night of carousing, uh, carousing, carousing, carousing. Um, at some point during the confrontation, no one is exactly sure why Annabella suddenly ran screaming from the car and jumped or slipped into the tidal basin, a shallow section of the Potomac river Potomac. Um, the event became front page news and it was revealed that the stayed mills, that's the Congressman dude, happily married for 40 years, had been having an affair with Fanny shockwaves rippled through Washington, but Fanny cashed in immediately booking a tour of East coast. Uh, booking a tour of East coast strip joints as the Washington title basin girl. 
You've read about her, now see her in person. She claimed to be making $3,000 a week and that a big toy company was planning a fanny doll. She even got the Harvard Republican Club's Newcomer of the Year Award. The aftermath? Mill's career was jeopardized, but it seemed as though he'd pull through, until two months later when he suddenly appeared on stage in a seedy Boston strip joint and gave Fanny a kiss. That was it. I'm a sick man, he told colleagues when they challenged his authority. Mills was hospitalized and Fanny continued to take it off, but faded into obscurity. Uh, the next one, the star Scott Halperin, a San Francisco teenager, the headline rock star for a night kid from audience steps forward. What happened in 1973, the who were in San Francisco playing the first show of what was to be a major U S tour as the opening bars of won't get fooled again, burst from the massive sound system at the cow palace, the group's unprecedented, uh, sorry, unpredictable drummer, Keith moon suddenly slumped over totally out of it, unable to hit another symbol. Moon was escorted off stage and returned shortly afterwards, seemingly revived. But a few minutes later, he collapsed again, this time completely unable to continue. In a bizarre fantasy come true, the Who's lead, uh, Pete Townsend, went to the edge of the stage and asked for volunteers. A 19-year-old named Scott Halpern bounded forward, and soon he found himself playing Magic Bus and My Generation. It happened really quick, said Halpern later. I didn't have time to think about it and get nervous. I really admired their stamina. I only played three numbers and I was dead. The aftermath. Keith Moon recovered, at least for a few more years. Halpern didn't become a star, but he was the subject of a small piece in Rolling Stone. That drummer, said lead singer Roger Daltrey, was really good. Uh, the next one, the star, Peg Entwistle, aspiring actress. Headline, Starlet plunges to death in desperate dive. Uh, what happened? Young Peg Entwistle uh, had been a success on the Broadway stage, and she arrived in Hollywood expecting to build a career in motion pictures. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, so in September of 1932, she decided to end it all. She did, uh, she did it in the grand Cecil B. DeMille style. She climbed to the top of the 50-foot-high H in the Hollywood sign above the city and leaped to her death. It made national news, although it was a little too late to do her career any good. Aftermath. Hollywood, the city of broken dreams, had a new fad. Disappointed would-be movie stars continue to take their own lives by jumping off the sign. The next story. Oh, geez, here we got on the old Sunday news. Are you paying attention, folks? Uh, the star, Sachin Littlefeather. I probably got her name right. Sakine Littlefeather, a Native American political activist and an Oscar stand-in for Marlon Brando. The headline, Brando refuses Oscar, sends surrogate in protest over Indian rights. What happened? In 1972, Marlon Brando was nominated for a Best Actor Oscar for his role in The Godfather. Brando was becoming increasingly politicized, and at the time, the plight of the American Indians was his primary interest. So he arranged to have a young activist named Sakine Littlefeather accept the award, if he won, in his place, handing her a three-page speech to read. When the time came, dressed in full Indian regalia, Miss Littlefeather shocked the audience and TV network, and Roger Moore, the man trying to present it. By refusing the award for Brando and reading a short speech, the Academy refused to allow her the long one, which uh, decried which decreed, decried the treatment of the Indian and Hollywood films. Uh, aftermath, Little Feather had regularly played bit parts in films herself, but after the incident found herself blacklisted for several years. She was also harassed by both the FBI and un unknown individuals. She is still an activist, but feels bitter about the experience. Uh, and final story, the star, Eddie Gadel, a three foot seven midget. Uh, also this book was wrote in the eighties, so don't get fucking butthurt about the word midget. Okay. I didn't fucking write it. They didn't mean anything by it. The headline, small man in big leagues, a Veek stunt. Um, 
what happened? It was a Sunday doubleheader with the Detroit Tigers on August 19th, 1951, and the St. Louis Browns were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the American League. Between games, Brown owner Bill Veek uh, wheeled a huge cake out onto the field and out popped Eddie Gale, wearing a Browns uniform with the number one eighth on it. During the first inning of the next game, Gadel popped out of the dugout and informed the umpire he was pinch hitting. Challenged, Veek produced a valid contract. Pitching it, sorry, pitching is difficult as it is, but a three foot seven person has a strike zone of about 18 inches. Gadel walked on four straight pitches. He then left for a pinch runner. The aftermath, Gadel made a quick hundred bucks for his appearance and American League president Will Harridge uh, issued a solemn declaration barring midgets from baseball and warning Veek not to try any similar stunts. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is famous for 15 minutes. Um, The three running feet on the uh, articles are as follows. The biggest recorded bubble ever blown with bubble gum was 22 inches in diameter. Uh, Walter Kavanaugh, Mr. Plastic Fantastic, has 1,196 different valid credit cards. And Lifespan, the oldest known goldfish lived to 41 years of age. Its name was Fred. And that, my friends, is another article down the drain from my partners at portablepress.com. Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, as always, guys, if you like little fun stuff like that that's nice to read before bed or read when you're on that crappa, uh, you can take a look at their uh, their assorted uh, varieties of books. They got tons of them, as do I. And uh, there's lots of great you know, things that they have, they got best of books. So you can get right to all of the, uh, the favorites. They've got the nature ones. They've got geographical ones, TV, sports, space, history, science, all sorts of different things. So check them out. Portablepress.com, my partners there. And of course my partners as always at absolute comedy. <laughs> absolute comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And I'm back. I uh, will also be at Absolute Comedy myself performing. I think I'm hosting, can't remember exactly what, but I'm hosting at Absolute Comedy in Kingston uh, at the end of the month. Uh, I'll try to get those dates for you. Do I have a phone around here within reach? Let me do that. You know what? While I'm getting those dates available, guys, why don't you check out a message from my partners at the delicious Summersby? The sun gives life to the orchard. The orchard gives life to the apple. The apple gives life to Summersby. Summersby is a delicious sweet taste of sunshine imported across the ocean all the way from Denmark. The people in Denmark are smarter, and so are you if you drink Summersby. <laughs> With flavors like apple, blackberry, pear, elderflower lime, red rhubarb, and a taste as regal as this fake accent, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And now, you can try them all in the Summersby Mixer Pack, available wherever fine beverages are sold. So go on, 
and try for yourself the crisp, refreshing taste of Summersby. Spuds deserted. Please drink resplendently. Oh, and we're back. 25th to the 28th of April, 2018, I will be in Kingston, Ontario, sipping a Summer's Bee and telling jokes in Kingston, Ontario at Absolute Comedy. So I'm very excited about that, guys, just to get that date available for you. And who did I forget? Oh, did I forget them every week? You bet I don't. My partners at DK, guys, Dorling Kindersley. I read uh, the entire thing. <laughs> I'm just always like almost done a book by the time I give you guys a, a heads up on it. But I like um, I like their stuff, and this one was awesome. Uh, this this week I read uh, Marvel Studios 101: All Your Questions Answered by DK. It is a hardcover book, and what it, this book is is it's giving you all the information that you need to know on all of the Marvel movies leading up to Avengers: Infinity War. So all your favorites from Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Falcon, uh, you know, all that fun stuff leading up to Infinity War. So if you're somebody who's watched a few of the movies and, you know, maybe you're excited for Infinity War like I am, but you might just not be 100% sure what goes in what order and how does something work. You might have some questions. Well, this book lines everything up for you. In fact, it even gives you, despite the fact that the movies didn't exactly come out in chronological order in terms of the stories being told in them, they even have a section in this that tells you, like, if you're looking to watch them, what order should you watch them in? And then it, it lists them for you. Um, but it answers all of your questions about the superheroes. It talks about all of the different superpowers that are available, um, that are available. Like it's just, you just pick them, but they're talking about how, like everyone came to be the backstories, the, the, you know, intertwining stories of the infinity stones and where they came from and which movies. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great, great book and it's a quick read. You know what I mean? Um, not to say that, you know, uh, you get it over with because it's not great. It's a great book. Um, it's just that if you're trying to catch yourself up and you're, you know, going, well, you know, the movie infinity, uh, war comes out on the 27th. Yes, it does. You will have time to pick this book up and read it and get yourself all caught up so that you will be up to date with all of the nerdy information going into, uh, infinity war later this month when it comes out, I'm super excited for it. I know I will be there opening night. Cause I am a super, super nerd. And I've been watching these movies for 10 years now. 10 years Marvel has been working towards this. They started in 2008 with Iron Man and they are, they're not closing her down, but they are definitely wrapping up a big arc of the story with uh, Infinity War on the 27th. So I'm super, super nerd bonery over this. Um, this book also, uh, Marvel Studios 101 also has, um, like a really cool timeline as to what happens in the Avengers movies, just sort of giving you a step-by-step -step piece of information, you know, uh, effectively a, a guide, a timeline as what's going on in the Avengers movies. They even have like sections on all the post-credit scenes because the Marvel got really, really popular for all of their post-credit scenes at the end of the movies, one leading into the next and whatnot. So um, it's really cool. It, it introduces the Guardians of the Galaxy and knowing what their importance is in the universe, um, you know, uh, just how things get uncovered. So it's a really great reason resource. Um, if you like Marvel and you have questions, or if you're, if you're starting to see the hype around all of these movies and you kind of feel like you're late to the party, it's a great resource to get caught up, um, on, on what's going on in this, the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, that's what the MCU stands for. I had to Google it at one point years ago when I was reading, but I'm like, what's the MCU? What's the, they keep saying the MCU that stands for the Marvel cinematic universe. Cause all of the Marvel movies, all of the Marvel studios, um, 
go together. The stories fit together. They're all in the same universe. So, you know, people, they will reference each other um, from time to time in the movies. Um, so just know that that's what they're now, just to clarify, Marvel has other uh, characters who are owned by other companies. So the MCU Marvel cinematic universe is done by Marvel studios. Marvel studios is owned by Disney. So they have the rights to a lot of their characters, but just for the record, Fox owns the fantastic four, or at least did um, Fox also owns the X-Men and any mutant characters, including Deadpool. So you see that there's a lot of Marvel characters out there that are not part of this same cinematic universe. Sony for a very, very long time and still does um, own Spider-Man. So that's why you see all these Sony movies and Spider-Man. So Sony and Disney made a deal to use Spider-Man for the Avengers movies. So um, just a heads up in case that's like, well, but, but what does that make? They got their own thing going. Sony's also starting to open up a bunch of Spider-Man stuff. Venom, the movie Venom is coming out later this year. And, uh, and that's owned by Sony. So um, Sony owns the Spider-Man stuff. There's also one I think called Silver and Black coming out, which is about Silver and Sable and Black Cat, who are two Spider-Man characters. Um, so there's all sorts of shit coming out, all sorts of stuff. Um, and of course the Netflix stuff too. Um, while I don't think Disney owns it, or I could be wrong, they have, may have a deal with Netflix. Um, they refer to things in the universe, but I don't think they're part of the same storyline per se. So, um, blah, 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 blah. All that to say, this is a great book. Marvel 101, all your questions answered. Or sorry, Marvel Studios 101, all your questions answered. Take a look for that, guys. As always, I have been an absolute prince. And uh, on Facebook and Twitter, if you're following uh, One Man Podcast or uh, or liking us, you can go on that page. I have a link to DK's website, which will allow you to purchase it from Amazon, uh, Indigo, uh, you know, whatever your choice is at the absolute cheapest price, by all means, go on there and take a look at a copy for yourself. Um, it's a great book and a great way to get caught up for what will be one of the biggest, uh, you know, movies ever made coming out at the end of the month, uh, Avengers infinity war, just in terms of the cast alone, there's so much money going into this movie. It is going to be insanity, absolute insanity. So looking forward to that guys. Uh, thank you to all my sponsors, right? Going forward, coming up this week, guys, as soon as I'm done here, I am going to get myself dressed up nice and warm. And I've decided to go for a walk to pick up my dog. I uh, haven't uh, spent uh, an evening with Chase in a little while, and it's a good, you know, 30 to 40 minute walk to my mom's house. So I'm going to walk there and then I'm going to walk back with him. So I'm going to get lots of exercise in no gym today, but you know, I jump on the treadmill for 30 minutes. I'm going to be getting a lot more than that, uh, this evening. So I get my dog, come back here and, uh, and then get to work on 2017's, uh, tax reporting. So uh, excited about that. Excited to get the walk in, excited to spend some time with my dog. And of course, later on tonight before bed, I will take him for another big walk, which will get lots of exercise in for me and for him. Cause he's pudgy too. My parents overfeed him. So, uh, he needs to get some exercise as well. So it'll be good for both of us. Uh, the rest of the week is going to be GTW. You know what I'm saying? Jim Tan or <laughs> Jim tax writing. Um, this weekend coming up, I've got lots of LCBO tastings, so I'm going to be doing that on Friday. I'm going to be going out to my buddy, Aaron, uh, Aaron's house, uh, not my brother, but my buddy, Aaron, who, uh, will be playing some board games at his house. He's very excited. He's the, uh, the good friend who invited me to, uh, to come have a uh, Easter dinner with him and his family. So, um, very excited for that. It's going to be a good time on Friday night, Sunday, we're doing uh, you know, a smaller version of the writer's group. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, uh, you know, again, next week back to the, uh, the gym tax writing, you know? Just keeping the, the good food in me, keeping the exercise up, 
keep working towards, you know, comedy goals and things like that. Right, right, right. New material, new material. And, uh, and we'll see what happens. So I'm, I'm very excited. Um, and that's, uh, that's the podcast guys. There's no emails this week. So you know what? I would love for you guys to send me in some for next week. The email address is contact at one man I would love to hear from you guys know how you're doing. How's the, uh, how's spring treating you? Um, what's new and exciting. You know, I'd love to hear that. I got lots of listeners that, uh, I communicate with on a regular basis, uh, via, you know, the uh, social media platforms and phone calls and text messages. I would love to, uh, to hear from you guys. I might just start cold calling you and recording it for the podcast just to get a little interactivity, you know? So, uh, so thank you guys always again, contact at one to send in your emails and chat about whatever you want. Um, thank you to my sponsors, DK Summersby, absolute comedy and portablepress.com. I appreciate you guys being there. Um, and of course, if you guys are not already, uh, following us on the social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, search one man podcast. You'll find me on all those and, uh, and give us a like or a follow or whatever it is. Cause I'd love to, to keep you guys up to date with the things that are going on. Um, it's great. And of course, as, uh, as my good friend Kamar has mentioned in the past, um, if you guys are listening on, uh, Google play music or iTunes or whatever, if you could just scroll down while you're looking at the episode feed, there's a spot where you can just give a quick review. I'd love to get a five-star review and a little, uh, write up just something that, that makes us more prominent on the searches so we can get more people listening, you know, and, uh, and more, uh, more of all that good stuff, right? Let's build our little community of, of onesies or singletons or, or, you know, whatever suggestions the rest of you may have. So, uh, so that's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to have, uh, even more interesting things to tell you guys next time. And even on a small episode that I thought would be no time at all, we've still gotten close to an hour and a half. Thanks for listening, guys. I look forward to talking to you next week.